Hello, and welcome to The Dreadclaw. Hi, and welcome to today's episode of The Dreadclaw, in which we uh, go over um, our experiences at Blood and Glory. Now, I had to record uh, this in two sections, uh, because I couldn't get Chris and Graham to free at the same time. So we've got Graham's uh, reflections on it first, followed by Chris's. So uh, thanks for listening. At Blood and Glory uh, this year, we we got a a request in um, from Greg, asking us if we wanted to run a centurion event on the friday so uh, we had a sort of talk amongst ourselves it was pretty close to company of legends but being as company of legends we'd thought when we agreed to do this we'd kind of pretty much nailed it from the one we did in march we thought yeah we can do this let's see what we can do so um so the first things first with all of these things are really difficult is to, is to find a story so we were very keen to make this very much a narrative-based event like we do for the company of legends events but just on a smaller scale so we already had a lot of the modelling that we'd done for those events in the bag. So, for example, the branching narrative stuff and the sort of various sort of technical spreadsheets that we'd um, slaved over to try to get work. So there wasn't a huge amount of work to do on the admin side from our point of view. But we still had to write a convincing story. And this was quite tricky because it took um, quite a lot of time for us to get into the mindset that we needed to to get this story done. So we were keen, as always, to sort of tell a story from multiple Uh, aspects i suppose and with this one we had the opportunity um we had a story where we had three potential um protagonists antagonists i'm not quite sure uh so we had the obviously we had the loyalists and the traitors but we also wanted to put a perspective from um somebody affected by uh this war which you, you know you do read about in the heresy novels um usually the humans, if you like, the, the, not the non-demigods. So we had three distinct paths. And as what we did in terms of the story is that we split them up between us. So uh, we knew what missions we were going to write. So we looked at what um, was recommended for smaller events. And Michael suggested the Shadow War campaign ones, which I think is um, what people tend to use for these. And the actual Shadow War campaign um, missions work really, really well with a, a consequence-based system so in a normal shadow war games what what you do is you have a big table and on that table it says um there's a roll-off before each game and some pluses and minuses are added to that roll-off depending on which army you play so for example the fast sort of infiltrating shadow war e type legions like raven guard and alpha legion get pluses whereas the more slow cumbersome and you know defensive based armies like iron warriors get minuses things like super heavies also come into it but obviously as in was using centurion rules it wasn't really an issue so but that does mean that actually rather than do the roll off what you can do is you can base the winner or the option for who goes first or second or who deploys first or second based on the previous result so it really works well for branching narratives because it, you can see a very clear con consequence of the previous uh, action uh, in the next game so um whereas we've had to sort of do this with a bit more manual intervention for company of legends because we were only running three games here this fitted really well so we picked some missions um out of the shadow war campaign um and we had uh, fundamentally how many how many did we have in the end 
so yeah so we had up to nine different missions okay so obviously the first mission is the same and then from there on it branched depending on whether it's a win lose or draw so i think it worked pretty well uh we had uh 10 people in the end so that wasn't too bad it was a nice um kind of cozy number i don't think we were going to i think that we'd limited the event anyway to around 20 or sorry about yeah so 10 aside because i think any more than that and it starts to become a bit difficult in big spaces to communicate some stuff so we printed everything out we wrote the story and the story for those of you who weren't familiar we will put this up somewhere for people to view um we set it on a world that uh, was part of the ongoing imperial tooth campaign so the idea being is that the result of this particular friday night engagement would uh, impact the next days and the subsequent days uh, heresy events um it's a really cool idea so we, we wanted to make sure that we had the um, narrative right so it fitted with the overall narrative of the imperial truth event and so rather than have this uh, as a big engagement obviously because we didn't have the time to do three three thousand point games uh, we decided this would be a raid so one side would be raiding the other side so basically small skirmish based forces uh, coming in to do to disrupt enemy lines or to uh, uh, mess with their infrastructure that kind of thing so a sort of typical kind of raid that armies do behind enemy lines to try and disrupt things or to pull troops back from the front lines but we also needed to make a sort of compelling story as to as to why they were there just doing that raid for other than just the sort of rather more mundane tasks of sort of blowing up supply depots and seeing how that would fit in the overall scheme of things so chris and i um brainstormed some ideas together for this one um and we came up with the idea that uh, there was a orbital defense network that was uh, been been in there way before any um, sort of in the sort of age of strife, sort of really way back in the way back in the day stuff. And the sort of big secret here, um, actually, do we want to tell? We might run this event again. Um, so there was this because <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Um, so the, there was this big orbital defence network that was dormant. Okay, and uh, the the traitors have managed to land onto this planet as they've been fleeing back from the rest of the system. Uh, so the orbit defense network wasn't in place, but traitors were arriving in force. And obviously the loyalists were, were, were looking to defend themselves. Um, but this defense network could only be activated by these um, four second sons from these big families, these sort of, you know, very powerful families that ran the planet effectively. So this sort of quite up in this sort of age of sort of mysticism and stuff like that. But the thing is that this the secrets of how this thing was actually controlled by these, just these four people was never communicated and the Mechanicum had tried desperately to to find out how this thing worked and they'd never been able to do it. It was like shrouded in massive secrecy and the planet kept the secrets to themselves. Um, so, you know, they just knew that they existed um, and that these four people had something to do with it, but no more than that. And they tried very hard to decipher this ancient technology uh, to try and sort of use it as the Mechanicum does. But uh, what happened is the Alpha Legion obviously uh, knew these four guys or um, and they knew where they were, so they assassinated them before the uh, traitors uh, arrived. And that was the story, really, because actually what happened is this: the um, uh, though they assassinated them, the they'd only got three of them, and that the parents of the fourth one had swapped his identity card with some uh, poor, unfortunate um, sort of serving boy, and made this this young lad escape out into the to fend for himself and um, to try and you know just survive basically but 
long and the short of it is that he was picked up and captured by the word bearers and, and who didn't know who he was and he was just being a slave so the the loyalist forces we um realized had twigged this that, that basically they were still one of these um people who could control this defense network alive and they were being they thought held captive by the word bearers or the uh, traitor forces in general so that was the premise you can read all about it in the prologue of the story but the way the story went actually was really good um so the first game uh th- this was a normal shatter strike mission because the first game the game sort of game one if you like of the shadow wars missions is quite tricky it requires a little bit of work and it was just like for, we we needed these games to be played really quickly um they were in four by four squares because there were only a thousand points and we needed them played in their entirety within an hour so if you can imagine trying to play a game of heresy in an hour is quite tricky. So we reduced the size of the battlefield so that the armies were a lot closer. It's just one deployment zone, so no messing about really. I mean, four by four square, there's not really a lot you can do anyway. And uh, it was very much about sort of getting onto objectives and getting stuff to But the first mission was the standard chapter stra- strike mission. Um, and that went that went in the way of the traitors. So they were very convincing in that. So that was a four-one victory for the traitors in the first turn so that was quite significant so we had some um fairly close games to be fair i mean it wasn't as if they were um you know complete massacres but they they were close enough um, I, I i play a terrible terrible person oh who did you who did you oh yeah oh yeah that I mean, who brings who the earth brings uh uh what are the talents of the emperor to a centurion game i ask uh. you yeah chris mills that's him. i play i, I play <laughs> so yeah um so how did it go uh it went all right um uh you know i had uh, uh i'll put up my list in the show notes um and i'll put up the lists for uh, all the other um everyone else's as well yeah um and uh yeah it was a um it was a difficult game it's the first time i played chris actually surprisingly um Hmm. but um yeah it was uh it was really really tough and a lot of that came down to the fact that that the talons are you know really hard as nails and in um yeah my the only thing i really had that could definitely do some damage was my um was was my dreadnought um but he managed to lock that up in combat Uh, yes with another with another one of his dreadnoughts um, oh, yeah. um yeah i eventually destroyed it but it came way too late um but um yeah it was it was tough because those custodies just do not die very easily and their ability to pass off wounds to to someone else's uh yeah they are a really tough look. i had a, quite a few games the following day again or the following two days against custodies and yeah they really are super hard anyway um so basically, the traitors had absolutely nailed this one. So uh, story-wise, um, we kind of moved on here. So the, the key point for the story at this point is that both we had the main um, loyalist chap and the main um, traitor chap both witnessed something, which was when um, this boy is caught up in the crossfire in the slave camp. He doesn't die. A strange kind of nimbus aura affects him and he doesn't die when he everybody else who's in the cage with him dies 
and that at that point both of them realize or at least certainly the loyalist guy realizes who he is and the traitor guy is is massively curious as to who this fella is as well so in the next game um this was where um the traitors finally kind of get hold of um this boy and interrogate him and we were playing blood feud which is quite which is quite a cool mission actually blood feud i quite like this one so basically um depending on who won the last one um was depending on um the what's who got the advantage and who got the disadvantage in this particular game so in this one it was a traitor advantage because they'd won the previous one um so let's just have a quick look uh let me just get my notes up apologies uh, mission three, I think it was. Du, du, du. Mission four, here we go. So, yeah. So, in this one, the traitors had the advantage. Um, and the, the, by now, the traitors have actually interrogated this boy and they're trying to find out who he is. And eventually, under severe duress, uh, the demon that um, is actually uh, cohabiting this chap's soul reveals itself. So, quite a quite an interesting thing anyway the game itself traitors um would could choose to be the attacker or defender defender would choose the deployment zone um deploys an authorist and then attacker and basically this is all about death toll this one and the primary target one so basically you can prick a priority target um any character or independent character in the in their force and you get additional victory points for that so quite a quick game this one how did you get on in this one chris um michael sorry yeah um this one was a little bit different. Now, in the first game, it was my first time using the Death Guard, um, and I made a mistake. I was running them. Um, oh, yeah, they can't do that, can they? No, they can't run with my Right of War. Yeah. Um, so, I, um, yeah, so in this one, it was a lot more difficult. But it was against Marines. Um, oh, who did I play against? You played Matthew Russell, Salamanders. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Salamanders. Yeah, it was a tough game. Um, he was obviously walking right at me um my dreadnought wiped out both of his tactical squads uh pretty easily um huh? uh, it just mints them um yeah. you know and it, it, it went through and i took out his uh his uh warlord um but he had a squad of pyroclasts and a, and a squad of fire drakes and they just would not die yeah fire um, drakes are just so hard i mean these are Two plus, three plus, two wounds, fellas, aren't they? Yeah, they just yeah. would not die. And, it, 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 you know, in the end, they, they were able to get in, you know, where they needed to be to the escape point. Um, and there wasn't much I could do about it. You know, they were, they were, they were, they were, they were they're just hard to kill. Um, but that's, but they cost a pretty penny. So he didn't have much, you know, much to, to in his army, really. Um, yeah. So but, it's, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? With the smaller events, is what do you take? Do you take a very strong single unit, or do you, you know, take less strong but multiple units? And I think yeah, it'd be interesting what that would be on balance. Maybe something we can cover later. It was, it was very, very, they're very, very durable. And I'm not going to complain and say, oh, they're broken, because they're not, because they they do cost cost the earth. But you know, fire drakes are tough. And yeah, yeah they. They, they and the pyroclasts, I mean, I, I had one, the pyroclasts sort of were positioned in, in, in a way that um, the only thing I had that could take them out was a single tactical squad. Um, but obviously they, could, a single tactical squad can only do so much. 
and it came down to um you know dice rolls on that one which was fine um you know he had the better dice rolls it's all cool that's that's part of the game it's a dice game after all yeah and um yeah he he managed to survive with i think it was two pyroclasts and three fire drakes so he he got he beat you five two so it's quite you know close ish i mean some of the other games were a lot more one-sided than that in fact most of them were um so yeah not too bad effort on your part there mate um but anyway the traitors once again won this uh four games to one so by now story-wise the, obviously there's a massive advantage for the traitors yeah yeah but what we did this time which is a lesson we kind of learned from company of legends is rather than it keep going in the favor of the side that's winning we swapped it around for the last game so that the side that was losing had the advantage um simply because it it feels more as you get closer and closer towards a victory it should get harder and harder to achieve that victory um so you are going to get to a tipping point i guess where you're just going to what, annihilate the, the armies and they're just going to fall away in front of you but before that point it, you know more and more troops and things will be committed to try and prevent that so um in the final game uh we played uh we played uh the noose um which is a, which is a cool mission i think um so let me just get the get the details for this one up and close that so the noose was uh where are we traitors winning with the noose so like i say so this mission um uh there was quite a lot going on in this one this was basically the idea was that uh the uh traitor um captain had been led to this particular um ancient hillock uh in the middle of this forest uh where there was a control um entrance to this orbital array and they needed to bring the demon there and basically the demon was kind of flitting between this this guy and the demon who were the captive effectively um and he was trying to make sure that um our world bearers word bearers chap um captain was um at this point and in the meantime he was being pursued by the loyalist forces it also in the wider narrative we we pulled all of the troops back to this point so first of all all of the word bearers had fallen back to this point to to give um this captain the best chance of success and that obviously caused some problems with the sort of traitor high command who had then sent their own troops to find out what the hell was going on because the word bearers were saying nothing as is their way so everything was basically centered on this one thing and in this particular mission um the objective here is about getting um your troops to within uh, out to an escape point so this is where you have to get uh if you're the defender you get two uh victory points for each scoring unit within 12 inches of the escape point and if you're an attacker, you get one victory point for every enemy unit that's 18 inches away from the escape point. So actually, that might have been the other way around, the copy and paste error. But um, you get the idea. Basically, one side has to get to the out, out of this noose and the other side has to get um, prevent them from doing so. And I think what we had here was that um, the it's, it's actually probably easier to defend this one than it is to attack this one, if you see what I mean. So we gave people um, the option to choose here. So they could have either defended or attacked. So. So how did you get on, Michael? Um, oh, what was I playing? Was I playing? Um... You were playing. Uh, let me just have a look. Uh, where are you? You were playing um, Grant Tims. 
Oh, what army do you have again? Salamanders. Second Salamanders one? Well, maybe we got two Sal- we had two Salamanders players. You might have played two of them. Oh, yes. Yes, I did play two, both of them. Yeah, it was... Um, this was the... Yeah, yeah, it was uh, Dreadnoughts in this one. Right. Um, I only had one Dreadnought. Uh, yep. It got killed really quickly. Okay. Um, and I was basically couldn't do much else. Um, I had no multi bombs. Um, I had one chain fist, uh, but it was on Catapratchi Terminators, who just you know slow. didn't was you know slow. And yeah. Uh, yeah, the two Terminators just the, the the two dreadnoughts just pretty much wiped me out. Oh God! Yes, I saw you. So you lost six nil on this one. So that was a yeah. fairly significant uh, victory there. Um, so actually, uh, this game did turn around the Loyalist fortune slightly because there were three to two in this one. So Loyalist victories won three of these and two traitor victories. So in terms of the overall event, the, because the um, traitors had won the first two games, the traitors kind of held the day. And in terms of the narrative, what what happened um we can we'll put up there because it's quite a long explanation but fundamentally the traitors managed to activate the orbital defenses and turn them uh planetward towards the uh loyalist defenders on the planet so the next day the first game the the traitors had an advantage in the um heresy event so that's quite cool um, unfortunately, our, our, our main guys uh, all pretty much came to a, a rather unhappy end, including the poor chap who was possessed by this demon and also our um, word bearers captain who became what he wanted to come, which was a, a sort of gal warback. So quite cool in that regard. Uh, unfortunately, our Raven Guard, um, sorry, was he Iron Hands? It was Iron Hands, I think. Uh, he unfortunately didn't survive. So, yeah, but good characters. Um, they were quite interesting. Um, we might see what we can use with them going forward. So, um, so that was that. We'll put what we do is we'll put the the missions that were played up somewhere so you can read through them and the prologue to the story and the end of the story so that you can have a read through if you're so inclined. Um, but yeah, we might run this one again. Possibly, um, maybe we could do it on a, an evening of company and legend or something like that. People are interested because it is quite a succinct little evening's entertainment. Yeah, yeah, it was too much, pretty fun. Too much hassle. And it was a really good crowd. I mean, people were very cool. Um, you know, the people who were playing seemed to enjoy it. We got some pretty good feedback uh, on the day. And, um, yeah, it was it was good good times. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It yeah. was it was really well run. Um, the story was good. And the missions weren't, you know, were, were all right. I mean, it was, I mean, I lost all three games on the trot. But, yes, um, A, it was a new army. So I was learning to play with them for the first time. Yeah. And, B... Um, I wasn't going to win. It was just about having fun, really. Got yeah. I think um, yeah. I'm glad I think, we did. I think for Centurion events or small events, quicker armies may always prevail. And it was interesting, actually, as well, to see that the uh, being able to choose being attacker or defender um, actually had a, had a big impact on the overall scores because where the loyalists chose to be got the choice because they got the advantage, they won. And when the traitors got the advantage, they also won. So that's quite an interesting dynamic, particularly if we were going to use these kinds of missions for something like Company of Legends. So anyway, there we go. So that was that. Friday night was 
it was a bit stressful i've got to be honest with you because there was lots of unknowns about this when we, we were like weren't sure what we were setting up you know making sure everything was sorted because we didn't have the normal levels of control that we have when we run an event but you know what everything was absolutely perfect we had no bother at all we got straight in we got straight to it everybody was you know absolutely got behind the spirit of the game and we had a really good night i thought so yeah yeah, yeah. Um, it was it was quite chilled out beforehand. We had a game of uh, Age of Sigmar Champions. We did, didn't we? We bought it. Well, I bought it in the end because I enjoyed it so much. So yeah, uh, all in all, uh, it was a. Re- I mean, it was a good night Friday night at the at the event. It had a, it was very. You know, there was a good buzz about the place because people were very excited. You know, like, oh, tomorrow we're going to start playing, or people had already been playing for t- in the day, I believe. So you know, there was lots and lots going on. It was a very cool. It kind of had that cool. Um, vibe of lots of different things going on in lots of different areas across the um across the halls and stuff so it had a really good good feel to it it wasn't just one event run you know run in one room it was multiple things going on there were lots of people milling around you know drinking having fun so yeah good times yeah yeah so, I, I do enjoy blood and glory yeah i mean we did decide we did discuss beforehand whether we would ever do it again and we weren't sure but after running it you know, it's it's it, we might have to think about it because it is uh, it is a bit of an investment in time, particularly running the story and stuff. Because it takes surprisingly, we put actually quite a lot of effort into that, and it takes a long time to get your brain into um, story writing mode. Plus, we've made some things slightly more difficult for ourselves by having this branching narrative, so that we have to kind of rather than write one story, we have to make sure that the bits that we write don't counteract something that we wrote that could have happened earlier so for example in game one if we had a narrative where a character dies that character then can't magically reappear in game five because they're dead if you see what i mean so we have to just those are the sorts of continuity things that you can have so but anyway all in all good times is that someone shouting in your background no it's somebody um beeping i think in my street ah why not so i just no the wife's not the wife's not back yet so we're recording uh, on, on a Sunday morning, would you believe? Um, which we, I don't think we've ever done before, but um, I'm having to do this on the sly because my me, me wife's out and she started to uh, raise a few eyebrows when I said I was recording some stuff this week twice. So anyway, we're on we're, we're on borrowed time here. So yep. <clears throat> let's so, go to the main the main event then. Yep. So uh, this was um, the Imperial Truth event run by Greg. And we went last year and we really enjoyed it. This year it wasn't held in the same part of the um, building. Uh, it was held in last year. It was Everything was in this big sort of round old engine turning shed thing, which is very cool. This year we had our own separate room for heresy. And actually, do you know what? That was pretty cool because, I mean, I don't know how many people there were. Was it 50 odd or 40 odd? I mean, you, uh, it was a lot more than that. I think it was I think it was uh, 60 or 70. Crikey. So, um, so we had 70 people in the same room. Uh, all playing heresy the tables were great scenery was fine um well spaced out it wasn't like london heresy's you know crush uh and like i said having your own separate room was actually really cool because um in in one regard because everything was clear everything was understood um everything was you know, just worked very well but you did miss out on some of the atmosphere of the other stuff going around you a little bit i felt but a minor thing to be honest with you i think this was the better option with the number of people um so yeah yeah definitely so in terms of the setup and everything i think it was pretty well we were well informed as to what was going on um i think greg had planned ahead we had the battles that we were fighting the next day were printed on the friday night so that we knew first thing who we were going to be you know we didn't have to sort of wait around or anything we knew where we were going to be we could just get in and start playing 
uh, once we got the sort of briefing from Greg as to what was going on. Um, so I thought that was very cool. It, it was just really slick, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, very slick, really well organised. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, uh, probably uh, the smoothest to run event I've ever been involved in. Uh, that includes what? Company of Legends. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think there's uh, there wasn't a single uh, hiccup along the way in any aspect of this event. So uh, in terms of, I mean, I think once you get to a certain level of people, I think it's very hard to keep a narrative going, if you see what I mean. So I think um, that was probably quite difficult. Uh, we just kind of got an idea if we were winning or losing, but the overarching narrative stuff probably fell a little bit by the wayside because you've got 70 people to brief it out to. So, um, but in terms of actually a really slick, well-run, no issues event, professionally put together, really nice location, it, it was perfect. Um, it really was. There was just such a contrast between that and London Heresy. Um, it was startling, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, uh, the the bad dice people have put a lot of effort into making this, uh, you know, the 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 big independent Warhammer event um, for from all systems. Um, yeah. And and that shows they've really, really, really put in the effort. Obviously, you know, uh, Sigma is their main focus, and that's cool. But um, they didn't let any, you know, they didn't let uh, you know that 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 any of the other events suffer as a result. No, I, I didn't feel, I mean, I didn't feel that heresy was like, you know, the sort of, you know, stuck under the Harry, sort of in Harry Potter mode, stuck under the, the cupboard under the stairs sort of thing. It was, you know, we had our own banner, you know, everybody knew there was a heresy event going on. People would come and have a look at all the armies. You know, it, it was very, very cool. And um, like I said, it was it was superbly run. Um, Greg did a spectacular job with a number of people as well. I mean, a huge amount of people to, to run an event for. So yeah. um, I would really recommend, yeah. So yeah, that's our overall impressions of the event. It was excellent. Um, definitely going to go again. Um, and like I say, in terms of if you just want to play some really cool games, it's absolutely nails it. So uh, in terms of my games, I'm just trying to get my notes now. Um, so where did I start? Uh, 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 uh. Well, I didn't play a game first. You did not. I, I, I was the spare. You were the spare. So let me just get, because it's all on the facebook page if you want to um follow i've tried to post all of my games up there so that people could follow along as we went so let me just have a look so i know my first game was another armor breakthrough so i have my armor breakthrough list so i was expecting some fairly tough times so my first game was against another armor breakthrough list so that was cool so this was um against a uh, dark angels uh armored breakthrough list so he had a similar kind of list, but uh, he had gone gone big on the super heavy and he brought a glaive, uh, which is always troublesome, you know, particularly if you're going to get glanced off the board by um, multiple strength uh, um, haywire hits. So I've played the glaives now and I'm kind of um, a kind of a bit wiser about them. So uh, I've decided, you know, I, I can kind of position them my things now without leaving too many targets because the problem with the glaive obviously is that it's just going to roll along and if it gets a line of sight or you know can hit doesn't even need a line of sight if it can hit multiple targets in one big long beam it will absolutely ruin your day so i was really really um cautious with my deployment because i think that was the key thing so this was a corner to corner deployment 
Uh, so I had my Predators, I had my Sakarians, I had my Vindicators and my Dreadnoughts, as well as my Knight and the um, Leviathan. And uh, this guy had three of the uh, Laser Destroyer um, Vindicators, which is a good choice. A load of Predators, a couple of Sakarian as a HQ choice and the Glaive. So similar kinds of lists. You also had a Derodeo as well. Um, and I had a lightning fighter, so I wanted to get that out of the way early doors so that I could actually fly around with impunity. Um, so there were a couple of mistakes that I made in here in terms of the rules, or at least a couple of grey areas. And this is where the laser destroyer array conversation uh, started, which we covered in the uh, event, um, sorry, which we covered in the, the main Age of Empires. But suffice to say, there was some, I'm confused as to what the, the range of the weapon is, whether it's 36 or 48, because... Uh, the e-book says 48, the red book says 36, so it's very confusing. Um, but what I, I managed to actually um, deal a fair amount of damage uh, here. So I got rid of the Derodeo and I just charged my knight full on at the Glaive because uh, there's a couple of reasons, really. The Glaive can glance, can do a haywire hit, so it can do one um, hold points worth of damage per turn. And I figured that the knight could get to the Glaive within two or three turns two turns maximum going 12 and running because it was a close combat night and also it blocks the lot the shot so if you shoot with a glaive at a super heavy of any description i think it just blocks the, the, the beam goes no further so that was my tactic and it seemed to kind of work um uh, having the knight charge at things is great because it forces people to deal with the knight because you can't leave it you know, lurking within 12 inches of your tanks because the next turn it's going to be in there and start smoshing stuff. So um, it's, it was kind of like a, a, a decision to force people's hands a lot, which was quite cool. But anyway, long short, great game, uh, really good fun, really good armoured uh, engagement with all manner of, of um, hell being unleashed on on both sides. But in the end, I managed to, to squeak it. I think it was something like 6-4. So um, a, a victory for the traitors in that one. So that was my first game. Uh, my second game, uh, what was that? So that was um, this was game two. So this was a this was a this was a toughie. This one, this really was tough. So this was against another um, armor-based list, but this time it was ultramarines. And uh, this was where the chap had uh, a lot of armor fourteen. So he had a couple of um, land raiders. He had a Spartan. He had some Cortices. He had a, a almost indestructible, annoyingly, um, Malkador and a couple of troops in, in Rhinos as well. So quite a tough list, this one, because uh, his close combat troops weren't really a problem um, for me because I kind of guarded things off by using the um, Leviathan and the Dreadnoughts to sort of act as bouncers to sort of, just give people a bit of thought before they start unloading, you know, um, Spartans full of chain axe wielding um, Terminators that there's a Leviathan, close combat Leviathan and a Knight there designed to sort of protect that. So my kind of plan here was to try and shoot them off the board. And this was the mission where you've got multiple objectives. I think it was War of Lies, this one. And um, yeah, it was tough, really tough, this one. Uh, and actually, was it War of Lies? It's, no, it wasn't War of Lies. It was the one where if you're on the objective um, at the end of your turn you get a victory point with a scoring unit so this is the one that also came up about whether you can still be inside a, a vehicle and claim an objective um, so this is kind of what was happening the reality is most people retrospectively think that that might have been a slight oversight on the rules 
um, and that you have to actually physically get out of the, the vehicle to claim the objective. But again, um, you know, we're at that may be open to interpretation. But the long and the short of it is it was a massive scrap. Again, I got kind of done by um, outflanking speeders, which is a huge weakness of the armor breakthrough list and something that I completely accept uh, is absolutely valid because um, it has to be a weakness somewhere. And its main weakness is outflanking and deep striking stuff because there's nothing I can do to intercept it, really. Uh, I tried to put the um, Derrideo and the Keris Patton Mortis contemptor uh, into such a place as they could have intercepted the speeders because the speeders um if you shoot them with skyfire count as you don't take off you don't do a ballistic skill one like you would do with normal ground targets because they're skimmers so i tried to put them at such a place where if he had um brought his land speeders on i could have shot them by intercepting with both of those units unfortunately i missed a big hole at the back and i just came on and just you know melt of they can unleash an awful lot of shots in the first turn they come on kind of kind of skimmer so that's you know they've got melter guns they've got those uh, cyclone missile launchers and they've also got uh, hunter killer missiles which is four so they can you know for a, a fairly cheap unit they can bring out a lot of damage and it's always going to be generally at the back of your tanks where you don't want it so they made a big hole the malkador's um Battle cannon was not battle cannon. It's um, demolisher cannon was was going good guns, and that was that was causing me all manner of bother. Um, my knight got kind of shot down fairly quickly, but it did manage to um, deter. It was good at doing some deterrent, and the leviathan as well managed to get in and, and smash a spartan up. But long and short of it is, I didn't have enough scoring units on those objectives um, quick enough. I was kind of playing a longer game and my opponent um, was was quicker than I was to get onto the objectives with his vehicles and sort of camp them with the vehicles. So whether it would have been the same game had he had to get out, I think it probably still would have been because there were some pretty chunky units in there. I don't think I had enough firepower to deal with all of them. Um, but, you know, just something to um, note for the future. So, yes, I lost that one. So that was a yeah. loss for me. Uh, did you I have a second game? I did have a game in the second uh, round. I played. Um, oh, I can't. You know what? I, I I'm terrible. I've not noted down any of their names. Oh. Uh, just their armies. Anyway, I played an Ultramarines player. Got you. Um, it was uh, I think his fourth uh, game of Heresy. Right. And he was. It was a very land raider heavy game. Uh, very um, uh, was Sakarans and whirlwind and it was uh it was a tough one um he had a lot of he had a lot of um a lot of t- high toughness vehicles um spartan was a spartan in there and uh yeah basically um my uh i have my word bearers at this point yeah um i will put up a list for that because it's not included in the main event list because it was a spare and yeah. i took a glaive and the glaive literally just minced through his land raiders i mean it was one of those ones where you have to explain and re-explain the rules of the glaive just to make sure that you're not you know taking yeah. advantage uh, of yeah. a newish player uh, and it was sort of like I, w- I, w- I was you know there were times when i was like right don't move that there because you're lining up you're, you're, you're giving me the perfect shot yes and it was uh, and it was sort of like a trying to be a, a two-way street but I still won because the glaive, you know, was still able to do some dam a, a lot, a lot of damage, um, as it does. And yeah, I still, I still won that one convincingly. Um, mm. I felt like a bit of a 
bit of a knobhead actually afterwards. <laughs> but, uh, you know, only his uh, fourth game of heresy, and uh, I'm already br- uh, and I'm bringing out a glaive. Yeah, glaives are. If you don't know how to deal with them, they 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 will just tear your army to bits, particularly infantry, um, because there's no real defence against them. Oh yeah, his, his infantry just disappeared. Um, that you know, I got penetrating hits on a couple of rhinos, uh, and that just you know blew that you know, uh, and that just left infantry squads out in the open for the next round. And obviously, I mean, the glaive is just when it comes to infantry, they just don't stand a chance. Yeah, no, it's a it's a it is a bugger, and you just need to know how to play against it. I think. I mean, it isn't overly powerful, but I think it's one of those units that I mean, it's powerful. If you know how to play against it, you can lessen its effects. If you see what I mean. So spacing your troops out, you know, making sure you haven't got perfect lines where you can just go across six or seven um, units in one hit, for example. And also remembering the thing moves 12. So no matter, however, however you line your things up, remember it can still move 12 and fire. So, you know, you may think, oh, great, I've sorted out. The, I haven't got, he hasn't got a one inch line through here. But if he moves 12, all of a sudden it's back on. So just, uh, you know, it, you just need to know how to play against it or get a super heavy and drive it at it so that it just can't shoot that big gun of it because it's a major pain. So, yeah, a tough bit, particularly on your fourth game of heresy, that would make your eyes water. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, we, we had a drink afterwards. It was all cool. Um, I think he went out and bought one. Oh, the classic. Uh, just to actually remind me, uh, Andy Devlin was the game, the Raven Guard player, and um, Oliver was the Ultramarines player that I played against. So I did actually take notes this time. So there we go. So anyway, two games in, uh, a one win and one loss. Um, I thought that was about fair, to be honest with you. Um, some missions are harder than others for armor breakthrough type lists. Um, and the, the Predators are a bit fragile, and they are my scoring unit. So I had to kind of guard them a bit carefully. But yeah, long, long and short of it is, you know, I had some pretty good games. I tried my best, but um, we didn't get too far with the second game. So on to the third game. So by now, things are getting tiring. Uh, so we've already played six hours of Heresy, I would have thought, probably seven. Um, and now we're on to another three hour stint uh, for the last game. So uh, I can't remember which mission this one was. So let me just have a quick look and see what my write up for this one was. So, yes. So this was uh, Onslaught. So this was against uh, rather um, surreptitious, surreptitious, no, synchronicity, something like that. Anyway, uh, this was against Iron Hands. So uh, this was an Iron Hands sort of armor heavy list as well. So um, the chap had uh, sort of a, a breacher squad, but he had a, a lot of uh, land raiders, which you know I've kind of nicked from my own list, if I'm honest with you. And he also had a storm, I want to say storm lord, the transport one with the Revenger bolt cannon gun. Is oh, yeah, I think uh, it might be the storm lord. Yeah, so this is the one that you can get 20 guys in the back of. Um, and it's got a, a very good anti-infantry gun. If you stand still, it fires twice, for example. Um, and but unfortunately, it's not a great deal of use against things with armor 13 because it's only strength six. So. In this one, I, I managed to, to pretty well kind of it was a fairly massive amount of shooting on my part um, to sort of whittle him down, get rid of some of these land raiders and um, strip out the sort of main threats to the army. And then it, it really was just a question of kind of driving my units to the scoring positions where I wanted them and sort of slowly encircling um, the iron hands uh, for a slow end. 
fairly agonizing death on us i'm sorry to say so yeah it was it was pretty brutal this one um difficult army for him because i think his army was would have been great against infantry um but I, just this the volume of um armor that i had and the shooting that i had i think just made it very difficult um but anyway all in all uh, a very good and good fun game particularly for the last game of the day because that's always a tough one i think and um yeah, so basically I managed to convincingly win this one. So this was 9-0. Um, so quite a convincing win from me on this one. So apologies um, on this one. But it was a good fun game. It was a good fun game. Yeah, as um, long as it was fun for everyone. Yeah, and I was, you know, I did feel pretty, pretty bad. But um, yeah, it was it was, it was, was a lot of fun. So um, we'd definitely like to play this guy again, but probably um, not with an iron, with an armoured breakthrough list that I had. Because um, he was a good, really good sport, and this was the fella that had made the army entirely out of plastics. So he'd, oh yeah, yeah. So he'd made all of his armies look like um, resin armies, but by using plastic. So it was a really, really good army. So he'd made his own shields for the breach squads, um, plastic by I think by kind of layer printing stuff looked very cool um he'd used the plastic uh, land raider kits and converted those making his own um side sponsons so they look like the side sponsons from heresy era not from 40k era um he'd done the same with some of the um other tanks that he had and honestly you look at it and you wouldn't it wouldn't you wouldn't know it wasn't all resin if that makes any sense yeah yeah but it's a lot of work gone into making it look like that but actually the kits are all plastic so I thought that was very cool. Very cool. Yeah, it was, it was, I had a look at that and it was really, really cool. Really a lot of, you couldn't tell that yeah. that was plastic. Because you used the, your old favourite, the box dread. Um, yeah. He had a couple of box dreads as well. So he, he made a heresy army out of plastic. He'd also used these, I really like them, but I know that Forge World get upset if you bring them to Warhammer World. The the, the treads, I think they're from Anvil Industries, are they? Um, uh, but, yeah, sounds, no, I don't know. Blood yeah. Skulls? maybe something like that but they make these really cool um land raider treads that look great and they look really good on these tanks as well they almost look like mini spartans so um yeah very cool all, all told so at the end of that day it was uh two i'd won two and lost one so not too bad yeah I, I i had a third game i played against the player with imperial fists and um custodies um couple of spartans um lots of terminators for shields and it was a fairly fairly tough game um the spartans fell quite easily to my glaive um he had one of those custodies tanks um i oh, can't remember yeah. which one it was but yeah, uh, that actually didn't do a lot um mm-hmm. but um he managed to kill both my um, my tactical squads. Well, not my tactical squads. My my um, my uh, uh, oh, what you call it again? The um, veteran squad. Yeah. Uh, it's a private legion list and an assault squad. Uh, mm-hmm. fa- fairly quickly um, took me off um, took me off my the 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 objective that um, he needed to. Uh, uh, it was an objective in the opponent's zone. Yeah. So, yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, took the took t- took my squad off the. Uh, one he was at and so um he put put some uh custodies that are deep struck 
um they had uh, managed to take that objective um i'm trying to talk and the cat's just decided to walk on the desk right in front of me i can hear uh yep <laughs> uh, get lost cookie <laughs> um okay um yeah so um it was a it, it was a, a tough game um it ended on turn five had it gone another um another round i would have won because oh. um i'm gonna put him on the floor because he's he's now bashing the microphone with his uh, tail nice like, oh down 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 um and if it had gone another round i would have won because i would have because my glaive had his um had his shield captain down to one wound um his uh, uh and that was all that was left on on his objective and uh, my terminator uh, in tartaros uh was um was just a mere nine inches away from uh from, from my objective right okay. so i'm i'm positive i would have uh, and i had got first blood yeah um Oh, actually, I don't know if I counted in that mission, but I think one of them there was a. I think it might be the onslaught where you get a victory oh. for each unit you destroy in the first turn. No, I had had um, slay the warlord. Okay, right. I'd slay the warlord. That was it. Um, and yeah, I would have um, one more turn, and we both worked it out that I would have won. Got you. Um, but so long as I killed his shield captain, that is. Yes. Uh, well, even if I hadn't, even if I hadn't killed his shield captain. Um, I still would have won, um, but it ended, um, and I wasn't I wasn't near enough the objective, and he was still on the objective, so he won in the end. And it was a really cool army actually, because it was um, um, he's had he'd been playing Imperial Fist since he was a kid, and he had some of the old school Land Raiders, yeah, um, uh, you know the the, the really old uh, plastic small ones uh, that look like the, the, the obviously we now you know have Proteuses for. Yeah. Uh, to represent and there was uh, and he hadn't changed them from when he painted them as a kid so his army was a bit mishmash because he had some really 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 well painted stuff um yeah. like his custode stuff which is the, the newest stuff he's acquired uh were phenomenal absolutely phenomenal paint jobs on those um but obviously you know he had the paint jobs of the uh, uh land raiders from when he was a kid uh which were uh, not great yeah no i remember look, i was looking at this again well they look weird yeah so it's a really uh disparate looking army but it was kind of cool that you know he still got the the same tape playing with the same models he had when he was uh i think it was 15 he said yeah All right, so, well, that's quite cool isn't it yeah but it was a it was a it was a fun game it was a decent opponent and uh that was all so that was the that was the day of uh that was day one of uh blood and glory got you so yeah so in the evening we went down to um the was it the harvester we went to harvester yeah and that was good fun you know because there were quite a few people that had come down and and we had a rob joined us with with a friend of his who was playing in the 40k tournament um and we had a a really good chat i think uh john um was also there Uh, he'd come along he'd been playing um titanicus titanicus so i i I just wish i wasn't quite so tired because i was exhausted at that point and i wish i'd been less tired because it could have been quite a good night out i think just sitting there talking about heresy and having a good laugh um so i think that might be something we we, we try to make sure we're a bit more awake for next time because um that was that had the potential to be quite a good night out i felt um you know where it is you think actually i should be a stage but i was just so knackered i was like no i need to get back but yeah good times so yeah that was that um 
So day two dawned. So in this game, I got grudged, grudged by Mr. Pete Reese, um, who who had uh, wanted to take on my armor breakthrough with his extremely fast and deadly white scars. So uh, this is going to be tough. I knew this was going to be tough, but, I, but boy, did I not realize how tough it was going to be. Um, a really great. I mean, what an army to play against because it is just amazingly painted, amazingly converted. Uh, everything about it is just quality. Yeah, it's like he's got the retro land speeders from Warhammer World, um, yeah. and he's converted them to have Mark Mark II crew. Um, yeah, everything's been converted to Mark II. Yeah. Um, so it's it's an interesting list, a very tough list one. So this has got a number of um, jet bike squads, as you'd expect from White Scars. It's got a bike outrider squad. Um, it's got um, three, I think. Um, speeders so a, a pair of javelins and a, and a like say a um old school speeder retro speeder um in there as well it's got a xiphon uh, interceptor it's got two um has it got two or three uh vindicators with the laser destroyers which is where again the port inch range thing came on and uh a, a sakaran arcus which is you know as we've discussed many times here one of the best tanks you can get so He's also with the white scars and um, the so-and-sos, um, you know, they get a lot of bonuses to seize initiatives. I think he was up to a four plus seize um, and re-rolling to see if he goes first and stuff. And I knew that basically if I don't, if I go first, I won't be able to do enough damage to him and he'll just hide everything and then just come and knack me. And if I go second, that means he has to deploy first. And that was key in this game. So, I kind of got a bit tactical on this one, if I'm honest with you, more than I have done for a long time, because the, one of the huge weaknesses of Armour Breakthrough is very fast units coming at you with melter bombs. And he had at least four of those. Uh, so I wasn't too bothered about this, the Arcus, although it was it was problematic. Uh, I was very much more concerned about the, the, um, the squads of bikers. And again, outflanking just did for me. But so what I did was I let him deploy first and he did, it was a classic dawn of war deployment. So the 12 inches on along the long table edge and in the sort of episode that the other dread club did about deployment, I, I, this kind of gave me an advantage here because I could see where the things were so I could deploy accordingly. So rather than match that deployment, um, the whole point of this mission was to get scoring units into the opponent's deployment zone. Um, and so what I did was I let him deploy all of his units and then I deployed all of my units, but I deployed them in a corner. So I basically put all of my units in one corner, which is quite difficult when you've got, you know, three, six, nine, about 15 tanks and a night, four dreadnoughts to put in there. But that's what I did, because where the corner where I was farthest enough away from all these jet bikes. And the reason for that was was twofold, really. One, I felt that I could just force that flank and get my scoring units up past the stuff that was there and into his deployment zone. Secondly, it would give me at least two, if not three turns of shooting against the jet bikes, uh, which is exactly what you want. You know, you, you want more than one for certain before they're on you and um, actually melt a bomb in the, the living daylights out of you. Uh, so it, I had to use a little bit of brain power here to actually get my army to work. So, uh, yeah, I basically did a refused flank kind of deployment and left the rest of the deployment zone over to him because I knew he was going to get units in there and I knew the chances are there was not a lot I could do about it. But I knew, the only hope that I had 
was to get more of my units into that deployment zone and try to get rid of some of his in the process. So this was a real thinking man's game, this one. So true to form, um, Pete, you know, charged forward with his bikes, um, heading sort of in a sort of perpendicular, sort of uh, circular, half circular kind of move to sort of try and come in inside of my tanks. Um, and I pushed my tanks forward um, to, to get the hell out of the way when it came to my turn. So I think in the first turn, he, he'd shot me with his um, Vindicators, uh, managed to take out a Predator, I think. Um, but it was pretty low scoring in that regard and moved all his for- troops forward. Whereas in my first turn, I unleashed hell upon his bikes with the Sakarans. Now, the Sakarans are awesome against bikes because a lot of bike players are like, OK, that's cool. I don't really mind if you're going to shoot, shoot me with high strength stuff because I'm going to jink these guys anyway. So they're going to have two plus four plus, no problem. But the thing about, of course, the Sakarin is that you don't get a jink save against it. So any six, which is AP2, will just remove a bike. No questions asked. So it was very, you know, I did a couple of those shooting like that. And I think that at that point, Pete thought better of trying to actually force the issue with the with the bikes and hit them <laughs> behind long line of sight blocking terrain just to claim the objective. Um, so while I pushed forward, the knight went into his deployment zone, caused a little bit of bother. And we shot up the Arcus. Actually, there was a Venator as well, and I destroyed that, I think. But all the while, the thing that really did for me was outflanking bleeding javelins because he managed to get them and a squad of Outriders into quite a small gap. Um, But actually, the Outriders came on with all plasma guns, coming in, shooting the sides and backs of my tanks. I think he did a, a, a classic, you know, I have my HQ tank. It's doing well. It's thinking, hey, this is cool. This is going to go really well. And he drives up behind it with a um, with a bike, um, hits with a plasma gun, sixes to um, to penetrate. So it's it's penetrated the rear armor of a, of, an, of a Sikaren because it's twelve. And then on the on the uh, damage table rolls a six and blows it up. And it's like, oh man. So that was that was a, that was a key thing because those Sikarens were really doing a great job um, of dealing with uh, the bikes and stuff. But, yeah, long and the short of it is he made a significant dent in my scoring units with the outflanking javelins, the outflanking um, uh, outrider bike squad and the actual normal javelin as well. Sorry, the normal, um, whatever it's called, uh, land speeder. So, yeah, it just did enough. I basically managed to, I think I had two, possibly two or maybe three predators surviving. Um, and then one of them got immobilized and then I managed to get one into deployment zone, but the other one got shot before it got there, which was a real shame. So I think Pete won this one in the end because he had all of his units. You know, I hadn't managed to destroy many units in that regard, but I'd, he'd managed to hide them in the deployment zone and I just couldn't get to them. So cracking game, though. This really was a good game. And I had to a lot of thought went into this from my point of view to counteract the speed of this army by trying to make it as difficult as possible for him. Um, which I'm sure he's not very thankful for, um, but it was a it was a cracking game, like it really was um, a real thinking game. Awesome. Because it's because it's a really tough list, you know. It's a beautifully painted list, and Pete, but Pete's a very good player, and it's a really tough list. And so you have to have your wits about you. And he won best painted. He did win best painted, and deservedly so, I must say, because it was a beautiful army. So yeah, I really, I, I personally, you know, at the time I was after playing this game, I was exhausted. I put that much mental thought into it. Um, but looking back on the games that I had, I, I think I probably enjoyed this one the most because it was the um, 
from a gaming point of view, um, it was the most challenging and the most rewarding. And, and, and even though I lost, it doesn't matter. It was a, it was a really good, um, really good game, really well thought out, you know, really well played. Awesome. So yeah, yeah. If you do get a chance to play Pete, definitely play him. But my word, that army's tough. So that yeah. was me. What about you? Uh, me. Uh, okay. I did play a game. This was my last game of the weekend. I played against. Uh, oh, I can't. Even, I'm terrible. I've, I've, I, I, I thought I wrote down all the names, but I haven't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I played a guy with uh, Solar Auxilia, and uh, oh, yeah. I thought, ooh, Glaive Solar Auxilia. This this might be a bit of a mismatch. Mm. But boy, was I wrong. You were wrong. So this is the guy who had the Venator, didn't he? Or did he have the... Um, the he, Valdor, no, yeah. the tank hunter. The, is it the Valdor? Yes. Is it the Valdor? Uh, yes. Yeah. Thing. So, uh, yeah, it drove straight up to my um, uh, uh, to, to my glaive and, uh, you know, stopped it from shooting. And it's like, all right, okay, okay. fair here's, enough. Here's, a, here's an interesting thought, right? Does Does that actually work? Well, no, it's it, it, what it is. It's a super it, heavy. It, yes, but, it does. Uh, oh. What it what it did was um, he shot at me and it's got the um, like the Venator. It has, which makes so, you snap fire. But exactly. That's what you he don't, was doing. You don't roll any dice to fire the glaive. No, no, no. But a super heavy blocks any shot. So even oh, if I oh, see what you mean. So he wasn't it was I was saying, did, does the Venator or the derivatives, you know, like the um uh, the Venator and the um, what's the Typhon like one called? I can't remember. The Cerberus that have got that rule, you know, where yeah, if they, uh, they yeah. cause a pain, you then have to snap fire, even if you're super heavy. Would yeah. that would that stop a glaive from firing if it had uh, line of sight? Yes, because it even says uh, super heavies. But okay, you're right, but it's not a shooting. Is it a shooting attack? It's an it's a it's a rules question. It's another one of those grey areas. I, I, it, the glaive shoots a beam. I, I'd say even if you know, maybe a gamesy player might say, ah, <laughs> like Graham. <laughs> <coughs> oh, sorry, coffee. That's all right. I'm just saying that it's because it, basically snap shooting means you go down to ballistic skill one. And I suppose that there's probably in the rule book that I've lost it says about beam weapons, and it says that you know you can't fire a beam weapon if you have to snap fire. Yeah, well, basically, I just um, I just took it along the lines. You of did the right. Snap, you, snap you, did, you did. You did. And right. um, because it's a super heavy itself, I can't then make it snap fire when I was hitting it with all my last cannons uh, uh, um, and plasma cannons um, so from from my Derrideo. Um And basically, it just it, it meant that I had to spend three turns shooting it and it just shot back at my glaive. And it shut down my glaive for a whole three turns of shooting. Yes, it's a it's a it's a question though. I've got to be honest with you, it is a question that I've often pondered. But anyway, go on, carry on. It's a very yeah. Good... So um yeah, so it shut down my gla- it shut down my uh my glaive for three turns of shooting. But when my glaive got out, um it took revenge. It basically um it it, it pretty much wiped out um all of his all, all but one squad of his troops. And then went out and started taking out his Dracosians. Um, and my Terminators got out of their Spartan, which was uh, destroyed early on. And they sort of, uh, they were in Tartarus armor, so they became a little bit more threatening because they just got up in the, uh, up at his Lord Marshal and were like, right, yep, nope, you're dying. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I, I took care of his uh, most of his troops, but 
um, those three turns of knocking out my um, uh, of knocking out my um, my glaive was a massive difference because obviously that's a huge part of my army, yes. and it meant that uh, you know that, that things like taking out his Malkadors, uh, well he's, he had a Malkador as well, uh, taking out his Malkador was a bit more you know took a lot longer. Um, dealing with his uh, de- dealing with Dracosians um, took a while longer and. It's all right, go on, carry on. Sorry, my bad. All right, yep. Yeah. And, uh, you know, general, it, it meant that I was delayed in actually getting started. And by the time, um, you know, he was able to to, to get, uh, by the time I was able to get there, it was turn six and the game was over. Um, he managed to get a squad of, uh, you know, a LAS rifle section into my, um, into my uh, deployment zone uh, to score. Yes. And. Um, yeah, uh, basically I had, um, I, I, I had one unit, a denial unit in his deployment zone, um, and he won the game. Um, and it was a, it was a tough game. Um, but you know, it, you know, he used a tactic that, uh, that, that works, um, which is, you know, using that, 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 that tank hunter, um, you know, and it's it sort of, once again, every time I play solar auxilia, I'm like, yeah, I need Solar Auxilia. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They're a cracking-looking army, like. Um, and that one yeah. was a good-looking thing. Um, yeah, it's yeah. I guess he puts the tank commander in the um, the big tank, doesn't he? And then it gets tank hunter and but a ballistic skill as well, so it's hitting on two. Well, no, he did, didn't have a tank hunter. He just had a uh, he just had a Lord Marshal, but it was. Uh, okay, right. right. It, oh, you know, it's still two shots. Yes. Yes, that's true. So, anyway. So that was your last uh, endeavour for the weekend. So that left game five. So I think well, that, a couple of people left for game five, didn't they? So that's why you were no longer required. Yep, a couple of people left. So it was like, nope, thanks, Michael. You're all done now. And it was yep. like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So my last game was another grudge match. This was against um, Tom uh, and his custodians list. So this, I played Tom, I think it was actually at the corresponding event last year. We had the custodies and wolves combo. And this time it was just all custodies. So shield captains, bikes, um, Valdor in the big transporty one, uh, Telemon, the little uh, infiltrating um, or outflanking transport tank with some Heteran guarding and um, the subsistence of silence in the the big sort of dune like uh, transport. So, and I actually had a ton of guns. So this mission was a, a weird one. I've not seen this mission before, but I quite like it. Um, so this was a bit like, um, this was basically they, the um, loyalists were driving the rest of the trailers off. We'd lost this by now by, you know, every round, I think we pretty much lost. And the um, loyalists were kind of pushing us off, uh, trying to get into the deployment zone. I think we had to try and hold them off. That was basically the objectives of the battle. Um but his, he came forward um, with all of his stuff, you know, making lots of saves, annoyingly. Um, the bikes got in quite quickly, um, and they all had melter bombs as well, so they were kind of straight into my back lines after a turn because it wasn't, wasn't a huge deployment zone to mess around with. Um, the sisters had infiltrated their um, transport, so they were in close as well. Um, yeah, all in all... Uh, it was a really tough list. The Telemon's guns are really strong. Um, 
ridiculously strong, I think. And it's a really tough unit to deal with um, at the best of times. And basically, yeah, I also had this um, the Dreadnought as well. So, yeah, as much as I tried to shoot the bejesus out of this army, I just couldn't do enough damage to it. It was just too much, too many, too many saves. And, um, you know, when he kind of he made an 11 inch charge once as well, and it was just like, this isn't going to happen, is it? You know, it's just it needed a 12 or 11 to get in. And it was just like an 11. It's like, wow, amazing. So, yeah, didn't lose a great. I mean, it was pretty carnage like. Um, but I don't think I did as much damage to him as it as I would have liked, to be honest with you. I did take out the transport fairly early on. But, you know, Valdor and his guys were just, you know, quite happy to, to take up all of that fire and just come at me. And I just kept thinning them down and thinning them down. But I just wasn't doing enough. And in the end, um, once these guys got up close and personal, they all had these um, the, the fists that they have, the strength 10 fists. Oh, the Solarite power gauntlets, is it? Yeah, so, you know, strength 10 fists, and there's not really a lot you can do about those um, if you've got rear armor 10. So, yeah, it was just a question of um, once they got close, just absolutely massacred me. So I found that heart army really tough to deal with, like super tough. Um, and I don't know whether it was just I was unlucky with some of my rolls, which, you know, I did have a few bad rolls, but, um, yeah, it was just a really tough, tough list to get through. Um, and even with, you know, the vast array of firepower that I had um, just didn't seem to cause him any bothers at all. Um, you know, the, you thought the knight might have done something. It didn't really. Um, the Vindicator got, sorry, the um, Leviathan got um, immobilized early doors. So that was pretty much useless from that point on because um, he would have been useful with his strength 10 fists, you know, to kind of double out some of these guys. Um, but, yeah, basically to take I've decided that to take on um, a a big custodies army or at least a 3000 point custodian you really need some some strength 10 stuff um you know quite a lot of it my blimmin uh Leva, um deradeo which should have been perfect for the job just could not hit i mean two lots of double ones it's just unreal uh it was just really poor at hitting for some reason you know every time i throw the dice for that thing it needs twos to hit i can almost guarantee that i'll get one hit and one hit only so yeah what i need is an ammo dump i've decided <laughs> for, for that thing because it just rolls so many ones so yeah i had a lot of shooting and it didn't make a lot of difference to be honest with you they kind of just got in really close with the bikes and that was it so yeah on the back foot from pretty much turn two and tried my best to sort of shoot back and sort of fighting retreat but i don't think i destroyed the telemon i didn't destroy janetta kral or whatever it was and i didn't didn't kill valdor either so yeah pretty convincing win um though it was you know a, a huge amount of carnage but in the end they got more units in the in the deployment zone than i destroyed so it was a, a clear win for the royalists so yeah but yeah good fun game as always against tom um again tough um and a bit of a learning experience against um a uh, a quite a, a significant um level of custodies list i think would be safe to say yeah yeah so that was it really um we packed our stuff up and uh, we got the hell out of dodge um so in terms of all in all i think we covered it already but fundamentally i would definitely recommend this event going forward it was superbly run everything about this was professional um really slick uh, between games uh, you knew what you, you knew where you were going you knew who you were fighting there was no waiting around for anything um and it was just yeah, really well put together and really well run. 
Yeah, definitely. So, uh, you know, we've said it before. We'll say it again. Greg runs a great event, um, but he does need um, the support of, um, you know, event organizers because, you know, um, you know, when he's asked to host an event at somewhere, he shouldn't be what what happened at London shouldn't have happened um, to Greg. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't, hasn't affected, I mean, 70 people for a heresy event, you know, it's, it's a huge number. I mean, it's got to be outside of Warhammer World, it's got to be the biggest heresy event in the UK. I think, I think um, London Heresy was slightly bigger. Okay, fair enough. Because they had like 90 people registered for that. Oh, that's true. But that's true. Um, I think this was better. I, it, even though there were less people, there was it felt way more crowded. Um, but I think a part of that was the fact that the room was better. Like with um, the London Heresy, it, although it sounds daft, um, we were more tightly packed in, and there were more people. It felt like it felt like there was a better atmosphere at this one because there was. It felt like there was a bigger. It was a bigger event. Yeah. Yeah, if that yes. makes any sense. Um, it does. It totally does. Yeah. I, it I sounds agree. daft saying that in a smaller space with less people. Uh, sorry, with more people, it felt less big. It, it, it did, I think, because it was our own room as well. So it was just that event that was going on there, whereas I don't know, it stuff going around outside. And it also felt like a, like the room was was purpose-built for this occasion, if that makes any sense. Whereas London Heresy it was clearly like some sort of restaurant that had been converted into an area we could play games. This felt like a, you know area that was designed specifically for hosting this kind of event. So, yeah, really good venue, really well organised from the Blood and Glory team, and superbly put together by... Um, like Greg, really good. Yeah. So what I'll do now is I will uh, cut away and we'll get Chris's games in because uh, um, he uh, he uh, decided um, to tell us at the last minute. Oh, by the way, I'm going out for a friend's birthday. Uh, just can't get the brothers these days. Putting friends first. Who would do that? Yeah. Anyway. No, no dedication. Uh, yeah. So uh, thanks for joining us, Graham. Yes. Uh, thank you. Uh, I'll pop over and uh, record with Chris now. All right, mate. Take it easy. Yeah. You as well. Okay, I'm joined by Chris, um, who was Hello. able to join us for our, uh, our, our initial recording session because he had something more important to do. Well, I had something pre-booked. This yeah. slightly different, and that sort of slipped my mind. I'll put off first. That's you know that's not true. Yeah, that's cool. It's cool. Okay, so um, we've already gone through Graham's <laughs> games, and I've yeah. mentioned our Centurion game. He would talk about his other Centurion games, but uh, he wasn't expecting to play, so didn't take note that he's forgotten them all. Yeah, but it, it was over three weeks away at this point. Yes, yes. So, I mean, I play. I, I enjoyed them at the time. They were all good games. The details of them all is very sketchy at this point. Yeah, you 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 you, you beat me convincingly. I, I beat you. I lost to Luke and I beat, I think I beat the last guy who I played, who was a mechanic and player. His name has escaped me, unfortunately, but that was, yeah. 
Fair enough. Okay, cool. So, uh, we'll what we'll do is we'll just run through the games that you played um, in the main events. The, yeah, uh, the, 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 so, the big five. Right. So, um, what <clears throat> what, uh, what what was your Saturday like? Well, uh, basically, this whole weekend can be described in a small series of words, and that's I lost. That was the prevailing theme of my weekend, ultimately. Um, Surely, you know, don't you play those <coughs> overpowered custodes? I do play those overpowered custodes. I just, I play them wrong, would be <laughs> in comparison to other people. Um, so for those, that I took a very infantry punchy list, if that makes sense. I didn't have any sort of range shooting. The furthest all my army could shoot was 18 inches, and that was only bolters. So I was relying on getting stuck in for the whole weekend and that that was a it was a poor plan ultimately but my first game was against our 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 dear friend rob who had taunted me for about two weeks before the event over the uh, in you know how he was gonna how he was gonna beat me and and he did he did beat me much to my shame it was purely down to two points at the end of the day which I felt quite happy with because I re- I think I was I was nervous about playing him anyway. We'd ag- agreed ahead of time that we were going to play, but he had two plasma Dorados, and I knew they were going to cause me all sorts of bother. And yeah. they didn't disappoint on that front. They they were tearing through guys. <clears throat> um, yeah, left, right, and centre. Unfortunately, Rob had taken a. Uh, um the uh, all dreadnought uh, right of war yeah he had all dreadnoughts apart from a squad of terminators and um, a couple of yeah a couple of characters who they all got dealt with that was fine i just um normally with my infantry i'd deep strike them mm-hmm. but this occasion i thought i would m- make my way across the board and <clears throat> rob did the very sensible thing which was Stand back, shoot me before I got close. Um, and it, you know, I think there was a point where I had about three guys on the board, three infantry models. Valdor had been killed. Um, Valdor and his, his his cronies had all taken pretty much an army's worth of shooting, and not for the first time this weekend, um, <clears throat> not for the last time rather. Uh, so they'd all been sort of taken care of. I had Big Tail, the Galatus, one squad with a shield captain, and two guys hiding at the back. And then the squad got killed, Valdor got taken out at the end, and the Telemon got immobilised. And I, was, I basically managed to keep it down to a two-point loss by keep going. Cause it was um, random objective. You, cho- you place the objectives. I ran two guys back towards my own my own objectives to try and rescue a, a point or two that way. Right. Um, which it, it, it got a bit tense, but because uh, there was an occasion where I had forgotten to ru- run my troops, Rob was kind enough to let me do that um, after the event, basically. And mm-hmm. without that, I wouldn't have been able to do it. Right. Cool. It would have been a much worse much worse situation than it than it was already it was so so, so the big weakness of that list um the, the 
dropping a point for every um dreadnought kill didn't uh, matter in this instance did it? it really didn't because i couldn't i mean i killed three or four of them but i just i couldn't i didn't get close enough there was rob didn't come at me i had to go to him mm-hmm. and you know it, it, it when you look back on games you always think what would i've done differently and you know we both said it after the game really i should have deep struck and just got everyone in up close and personal to start with, whereas he had two turns of shooting on me. Yeah. Just to really wither everything down. Um, Valdor and the boyfriends, as they as people call them, um, they did deep strike. But they just, yeah, once they turned up, all the guns pointed at them. And they took pretty much, yeah, I, from what I remember, an entire army's worth of shooting on them. And it just, yeah. you know, volume of fire is always going to be my weakness. And it really, it really showed. But it was, it was a good game. We had a lot of fun. We had a lot of banter with each other. I presented Rob with his very own framed uh, picture of Valdor that to, to match my own because he'd said some terrible things leading up to the event, and I just, you know, I wanted to make sure that he, he remembered that I, you know, I cared about him really. <laughs> I, I, I hope he keeps it on his bedside. Yeah, absolutely. I hope you know. I hope he's treasuring it. It's a it's one of one of only two signed boots printed pedia uh, photos of, of Valdor in Poundland frames. But it, you know, it's its value isn't in its financial value. Its value in, is in the the time and effort I put into it. I tend to, I like to think. Right. But we had a good <laughs> laugh. It was it was a good thing. But um, yeah, and unfortunately, I let our side down, and and the Imperial Truth won that day. Right. Well, sort of the Imperial Truth, the Imperial Truth podcast, but um, so you were the loyalist. Yeah, this is true. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Awesome, awesome. And okay, so what about your second game? So the second game, um, so me and Robert arranged that game beforehand. While I was playing that, um, Mark Frost came up to me and Ooh. we were t- and and said, "Oh, do you fancy playing me next?" And I was like. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll take it on because Mark, we kind of, we've you know we've kind of got to know Mark. I've not played him yet. Um, uh, he's got the big scary warhound. Yeah, which, yeah. He, he took Night Lords and a warhound. Uh, yeah, which was that was a, that was a tough game. So we 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 got that sorted for game two. <clears throat> um, it's a it's a. I don't know how he got on for the whole weekend, but again, for me, it, his army was very quick. So he had a lot of he had um, a couple of big jet bike squads that would sort of were leading me on, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. They were there one minute, and then it's just you know they'd be gone very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, the warhound unleashed its D strength hell upon. More than one, it, it took out Valdor's unit, um, which was which was which was you know a stressful moment because that's that's a lot of points to disappear. Um, I just yeah, it, it it didn't make me want to play Night Lords any less. It was quite good fun watching them up close and personal because mm-hmm. he had um, so I think now he had Sevatar, some Night Raptors, and I said the two big jet bike squads. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a Leviathan as well. You know, we my my dead pile was you know much bigger than his. I think at the end of it. To be know, fair, he had a lot fewer models. Sorry. To be fair, he didn't have a lot of models. Well, you say that, but he had. I'm trying. To, I was looking at his um, list earlier. I mean, it's still. Where are we? It wasn't a a small army by any stretch. It was, you know, a good. Um, there we are. Because he's got sort of ten, twenty raptors, um, six jet bikes. You know, there was quite a lot of guys in that, you know, in it, in his list, and they just. <clears throat> again, volume, volume fight. He, he again, he played it really smartly. Yeah, um, yeah. I, he, he sort of he flanked me, so I was gonna, I was trying to push up one side, and he basically rotated on me, um, to counter that idea, and it just, it worked perfectly because I was, uh, you know, I was scrabbling to, to make dents at you know, more than one occasion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, overall, Mark had a mixed weekend. Uh, obviously, a lot of his points were invested into that Warhound, and when it worked, it worked. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you think, well, that Warhound is what, 750 points. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the same as Valdor and his, his henchmen. Yeah. So we both had sort of big, powerful, you know, um, uh, point sponges. That's my new phrase. I'm going to refer to them as point sponges. <clears throat> um, and they just, yeah, his that that warhound really did its did its work. Yeah, With yeah. That, that double, it's the turbo laser destructor. It was, yeah, it really tore through guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, because he had the turbo laser destructor, and was it the plasma? No, he had the Vulcan Megabolter. Ah, oh, the Vulcan. Yeah, which yeah. Uh, for me wasn't too much of an issue although it's a lot of shots it's ap3 yeah so against my armor saves it's you know but it's quite good for stripping out wounds off characters um if you're stupid enough to put them in the front which quite often i do because i like to you know make them look heroic mm-hmm. um <clears throat> but yeah his actually i think his leviathan um finished off a squad but it was just yeah it was once he was in, yeah, in there with two or three units, I just couldn't handle the numbers. Mm-hmm. Those two did those those two um, light raptor squads. I don't think I killed either of the light raptor squads. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think I took out too many jet bikes. I killed one of his javelins, I think. Yeah, yeah. Things like that. It was a very sort of bits and pieces, but. Yeah, he was able to sort of manoeuvre... He, he manoeuvred me, I think is the best way to do it, and had, with that Warhound, just the right amount of firepower to um, put dents in me before his infantry got stuck in, which was good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Good for him, anyway. But again, um, that was a... Yeah. Um, that was a game that we sort of... Yeah, we arranged ourselves, so... It wasn't until until game three when I actually got into the into the main draw, as it were. Yeah, yeah. So, who did you play in game three, if you can remember? I, yeah, no, I played um, Michael Rainsbury. Oh, yeah. Um, he had the Black Shields, mm. which was which was good fun because I hadn't really seen um 
uh, Black Shields in action at any point. Yeah, so he yeah. had you know, he had um, Stormlord, Stormlord, sorry, a couple of Sakarans, uh, the Arcus from Rocketly, and he had two big Marauder squads. It was a tasty looking army. Yeah, it looks really good as well. Um, like on the on the battlefield as well. We had yeah two big Marauder squads, two apothecaries, um, Centurion, the the Nominian Reaver, I think he is. Oh yeah, yeah. Their sort of special character. Mm-hmm. Um, tech marine with rad grenades, things like that. It was. I'm I I'm put holes in this in in him, with things. Have I got um good assaults against the Sakarans? They went. There was a Dorado. I th- think I killed. There was a Dreadclaw that I had to kind of ignore because I couldn't touch it. Um, and he had the Stormlord, which again, it's a. A good time, but it's a heavy bolter. Yeah, yeah. So it it, it chucks out a lot of shots. I can ignore, you know, I ignore a fair few of them because I'm going to make my two ups more often than not. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was a good fun game. It was a, a really fun game, if that makes sense. Not that Rob and Mark hadn't been, but I think this was sort of where sort of the the level playing ground sort of situ- sort of started to kick in a bit with yeah. me being sort of back into the you know the main that you know me and michael had, had both had losses so we were kind of at the same point um <clears throat> the same power level i suppose as a, to use a 40k term yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean valdor turned up he once again just absorbs he absorbs bullets in in the most um, incredible. You know, people see him on the board, and that's that's where all the guns go. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so he did all right then. Who Valdor? Valdor, yeah. Um, do you know? What? I don't think. I mean, this is the last game on the Saturday, and I think it was only at this point he really started to cut into people so him and because michael had big units i stuck one of the um extra shield captains i had with valdor and his friends Mm -hmm. which was a you know i needed i knew i needed the extra attacks basically if i was going to make headway but because he had the guy, there was one attack assault where he had the guy with the rad grenades. So all my toughnesses became toughness four mm-hmm. things that normally wouldn't bother me whatsoever. Um, were making the business, you know, Valdor's dice escaped me. I couldn't get, you know, when you've got a guy that can do like six, um, six attacks with a, a weapon that should destroy everything and you roll ones and twos and things. It's just not, you know, it's not going to be your day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there are bits like, um, yeah, it's just again, I, I lost a, a fair few models in this game. Um, one of the dreadnoughts got immobilized quite quickly, mm-hmm. but it was, yeah, it was. I, I sort of, after the first two games, this was kind of, I was more relaxed, weirdly, because I knew that me and Michael have both had similar sort of um events so far. Yeah, 
it was yeah it was nicely the sort of the Dominion Reaver I had to charge him with four guys yeah through four custodes at the Dominion Reaver and ten so the ten of fifteen guys I can't quite remember and they they held for a turn my guys mm-hmm. they because I was basically just trying to deny him getting to a an object an objective at that point. But I just, you know, weight of numbers. There's only so many sort of attacks I can against chain axes and power axes and things that I can get, I can ignore before things get bad. Yeah, yeah. So uh, did you win or lose that game then? That was my, I think I won that. I don't think I won that convincingly. I think it came down to the maths. Um, But I think it could have easily gone one way or the other i think it came down to units killed and that's the one <clears throat> that's the one point where i'm gonna generally pick up a point against opponents mm-hmm. is that i can you know i don't have a lot of units to start with whereas they can generally kill two or three units each if that makes sense yeah yeah, yeah. on a good day anyway um so I, yeah, I think it was attrition that had that had done it for me, if I remember correctly. Yeah, because that was the mission to get the uh, objective in the enemy's deployment zone, wasn't it? Uh, yes. Yeah, I think we both achieved that, and uh, then there were the. I think it came down to the secondaries, right. like slay the warlord and attrition things like that. So, which was you know. It, 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 it makes for a close game. Mm-hmm. You know, this wasn't a game where I could just run at everything and just punch it. I had to think about what was going to happen yeah, and, yeah. and where I was going to aim those. Because, you know, there have been games in the past where I've just gone, right, just unleash the dogs of war and let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. But that's, this didn't, didn't allow for that. Right. Okay, cool. Uh, so, Sunday, what did you... Um... How did you do Sunday morning? <clears throat> well, Sunday morning I played uh, Brett, I believe. Yeah, he was a Ultramarines player. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Which we were both quite confused when we both got to the table. He had um, uh, Rob Butte on the table, and then I put Melder on the table, and it was like, hang on a minute. This doesn't seem right somehow. But, ah. um, yeah, he had Robbie, uh, and he also had some, yeah, his Ultramarines and Solar Auxilia. Right. Oh, that was a nice looking army. Um, yeah. It, yeah. It looked really good. He, I once again came up against the um, uh, Malkador Infernus mm-hmm. in all its flamery, horrific nastiness it's just a dirty 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 tank it is i mean the one saving grace that for me is that i've got two wounds on each of my guys mm-hmm. so it, it's very hard for it to kill see, multiple guys very easily with my with my army yeah what's the strength of the malkador in furnace oh enough to cause me a headache yeah but it wouldn't instant kill you it no it doesn't it, it's not an instant death weapon luckily it would just it just does wounds, but if you think if it covers a unit twice, if it covers a unit in two turns, mm-hmm. because it's AP two, I think. 
I'm yeah. relying on my vulnerable saves. All it takes is two turns for it to kill a unit. And because it's the big flamer template, plus it's torrent, it's it's just a monster. I it's don't not, know why. It's not nice. I've come across it a few times. <clears throat> um, Kit's Kit in Coming of Legends was the first yeah. time I'd come across it. Um, I I would try and fit this into any list, I think, <laughs> if I was going to take um, you know, Auxiliary Allies, I would take Auxiliary Allies just for this guy. Because I think that tank is... A, I think it's brilliant. A lot of people do take... Uh, when they take Auxiliary Allies, they, they're taking it specifically for the, uh, yeah. the furnace. I don't... Which, yeah, it's... Not my cup of tea, personally, because... I just, I just think it, it could, you know, against most things, it's gonna cause headaches. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he had, yeah, he had the Infernus, he had two Dracosians. Um, there was an Arcus, he had a Spartan. Yeah. Um, there was an Assault Squad. It, again, this was a, um, after Saturday where I'd walked my guys across. Mm-hmm. Um, I decided that that hadn't worked for me. So what I was going to do was going to completely spin that on its head, and I was just going to go all deep strike with the infantry. Right. Now, this did not work out as planned. When I go for what I think is going to be a fairly decent, you know, reasonable deep strike, and I mishap, and Brett gets to place them. And he places them in the far corner, in my corner, basically, as far away from everything as possible. As you do? As you do. I'm not knocking him for it. I would have done exactly the same thing. And in a way, it it kind of made for a bit of a game because there was a um, a point towards um, the end where he was very he was basically on my on an objective in my deployment zone, or he had to get into my deployment zone um, rather. And because those guys were there, it meant that he had to sort of fight to get there. Yeah. Um. So what he, but yeah, this is when <clears throat> there were some, yeah, a couple of deep strike mishaps. If I remember correctly. Valdor deep struck and took uh, everything. He took the Infernus. He took um, Dracos- uh Two of the one, two of the Dracosians. I think one had been immobilized by the point Valdor turned up. Right. But they, those guys took a, they took a hell of a beating, basically, um, and just, just about survived. But you, you know, an event's not going well when a Vitaris storm section, basically, stand up to Valdor. And go, no, we're not going to run away. We're going to stand here. We're not going to run. <laughs> oh. And, you, you know, he's murdered five guys. He's standing there. He's like, yeah, get out of my way, puny humans. And they go, no, no, we're good. We're going to we're gonna roll double ones for our uh, leadership chest. So you can just get tied up with us for a turn. Uh-huh. You know, uh, it was a, yeah. This was a, a good, a good fun game. Um, so Brett hadn't really played 
Custodes played against Custodes before, probably because he's a loyalist player most of the time, I should imagine. Um, but yeah, he, I, I, I wanted Valdor and, and uh, Rob Ute to, to, to sort of pair off and have a fight. But he, he played the mission, which was the, you know, that was the thing to do. Yeah, so he took his, he took, exactly, he took the spot. So he had um, Tylus Rubio as well. Mm-hmm. There was, I'm trying to think now, Tylus Rubio. Let me just try and find it very quickly. Yeah, Tylus Rubio, Centurion, um, and Rob Ute and some terminators in, in a spartan right so what he did he hammered the spartan into towards my deployment zone and then out of all of the doors on the spartan a different person a different unit popped out basically so he had, so had two um guardian spear squads so he used um rob Utes to hold off one unit yeah. The Tyler Rubio and the um, Centurion, who was a Forge Lord. Yeah, that's that's what I remember. Forge Lord, the Rad Grenades again, um, and the for- and the Forge Lord to hold off another unit, and then the Terminators to um, do their wonderful scoring to take the object to basically win the points. Yeah. Which was the yeah it made use of everybody. I mean, Gilliman just. You know, murdered four guys. I was trying to kill Tyler's Rubio desperately because, you know, if if he can't achieve his objective, then um, you know he can never win. Basically. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. So I was hoping for, I was hoping to get Rubio out of the game, but it just it didn't want to happen. But yeah, it was the, it was when Valdor, uh, you know, the Velatara said, "Oh, that was it." The one thing I'd do it there. They'd overwatched a shield captain prior so this is one this is one velatarist storm section who quite frankly need promotion to terminator armor they overwatched a shield captain to yeah. death they stood up to valdor now they shouldn't even be looking at, the, at these two guys they killed one they stood one up and basically flicked him off so uh, Brett should definitely just, you know, paint them, paint them in magical armor to make them look like a Terminator armor or something. Cause they were just the coolest guys ever. Right. But yeah. again, I lost. <sighs> okay, this so was... yeah, starting to starting to see a pattern emerge. Yeah, I yeah, it was a it was a pretty. It, you know, I was doing my bit for the um, custodes by bringing our point average down over the weekend. You know, I don't know how the other guys got on playing the Golden Boys, but I like to think I did my part of, of you know, making us not look like the murdering uh, death demons that everyone seems to perceive us as. Yeah, yeah. So what about your last game? How did that go? So game five. Um, This was against... Uh, Tom, uh, World Eaters player. Oh yeah. Um, he'd ask Greg if we could play, which, um, which is I uh, didn't really know anything about that conversation until basically I turned up at the table anyway, and someone had said, "Oh yeah, if he'd wanted to play," because we played at London. Ah oh, yeah. Um, and I think he, I think he played Graham at Blood and Glory last year. 
he played me at London and then he sort of um he came back for more and this was one of the missions out of book seven where we had to get across uh get into the objective have more units left at the end of the game than the enemy that sort of thing now i've played this mission twice i played this mission twice in the space of an hour that's that's how good this went oh yes because uh you um yeah (laughs) so I because the mission was you've got to get units in the opponent's half um, and Tom had um, I'm trying to think what it is he had a fell blade uh, a Sikair and Venator um, drop pod I'm just trying to think there was some it, it was quite a handy gun line he did have, you know, because he's playing World Eaters, there was, you know, I think Khan was in there, uh, hidden away somewhere until sort of halfway through game two when he turned up. But um, basically, yeah, I I went all out for game five. I held all the infantry back in reserve. I just put the two dreadnoughts down mm-hmm. on turn one. I thought, right, that's, let's see how we go. Um. The Galatus got destroyed. The Telamon got immobilized. And I deep struck mishapped twice with and one uh, sure, I think I, I think anybody came on the first no. I I yeah, it all went wrong basically. Valdor deep struck mishapped, I rolled a one. Do not insert credit, you know, do not collect 200 pounds as you go past go. Dead as disco. Another squad got held in reserve and <clears throat> all he had to do was in his turn um, was kill the Telon, which he did. So turn two, basically, it was over. Yeah. Um, and that was, but there are certain situations where you go to a table, you look at the army, you look at you know, you look at your opponent. You look at the um, army, the mission you're playing, mm-hmm. and you just not everything necessarily stacks up. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. So we played it again the second time around. We swapped roles, so he had to attack me. But I don't. I just think the mission and his army and my army, the the combination of the three, the the balance wasn't quite there mm-hmm. you know it's it's probably more my fault because of the army that i'd taken i didn't have any sort of range shooting so i was having to try and get close to, to him to get involved and he could just ignore basically just shoot shoot me and ignore me um in the second sort of second run through you know i i put bodies down on the board but it it, it just volume of fire um time and again did for me but i like playing tom he's a good lad um i will have i will have revenge at some point i will beat him eventually (laughs) eventually one day eventually yeah this is yeah i'm two for nothing against tom now so no i've only played well yeah this is true i suppose isn't it yeah three nil which yeah i can't be having that sort of number against me um 
Yeah, because I, th- I thought I, I, when I found out I was playing him, I thought I was going to be facing Angron again as I did at London. But this is a completely different, um, completely different list. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, that that fell blade. Um, yeah, he had a fell blade. So I just found the list. He had a fell blade, fire raptor, a venator, a Spartan, javelins with multi mounters, um, contemptor. And then sort of squads, uh, Khan as well. Yeah. yeah, it was just the the array of the array of shooting is what what did for me. Yeah, so um, not such a great uh, great when you're taking down shooting armies, are you? I never must, must remember. No, I've never have. I, I never have been. If that makes sense, the only times it's really worked is when I've and <clears throat> it may have if I'd got the deep strikes off against Tom. Possibly with Valdor's spear and the volume of melter bombs, because obviously I can you know bust off the shield captains, they can go melter bomb stuff. The Heterons, all the squads, everyone else has got melter bombs, so I could have got through the vehicles, and then it's you know, the troops wouldn't necessarily have been too much of an issue. Mm-hmm. Apart from there was one very big squad, but you know it was the deep strikes did for me basically on 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 the. The proper run, you know, the important run through. Yeah, yeah. But I think, yeah, this I, I tried something different with the the list for that for the event. I don't necessarily. I think it's kind of made me think I need to have at least one of the tanks. Um, yeah. One of the tanks, or and one of the, <coughs> sorry, and one of the guns on the Telemon, just for that little bit of ranged fire, just so I can make my opponent think about it. Because what this, what this, what my army did was basically, I wasn't affecting them in their own deployment zone unless I was deep striking into it. Yeah, and there's so nothing. Think, to, there's not really anything in the custos list to help that deep striking. You know, nothing to reduce your scatter. No, it's, no, we get it's, it's normal deep strike. It's you know, it's and. As you know, I love a risky deep strike. If there's, you know, six inches of square uh, terrain in my enemy's opponent, uh, in my opponent's deployment zone, that's where I'm going to put somebody. Mm. And I've been pretty lucky so far this weekend. I think all just basically all that luck had uh, had run out on me because it was, yeah, deep strikes didn't. I didn't I think I hit any on target. I think I always scattered um, or I mishapped. But, no, it was good. It was a good weekend. I really enjoyed. You know, I like Greg's events. Um, it's it's always nice because we see sort of a lot of a lot of familiar faces. We have chats with everybody. It was yeah. a good laugh. It was good fun. I mean, I yeah, I won one game. Um, I well, I just about won one game, but I enjoyed all of my games. Well, that's the that's the main point, isn't it? So. Yeah, exactly. We're all there to have fun. You know, Tom. Uh, that you know they were they were quick games, but. You know, he's a, he's a good lad to play against. Cool. Which is why he get which is why I think he got the best traitor award if I remember correctly. I believe he did, yes. Yeah, yeah. So that's good. Okay, awesome. So uh, <laughs> overall, how did you find the event? Yeah, it was good. Um, I really like Blood and Glory as an event. Like the whole, you know, not just Greg's, not just the heresy bit of it, but I really like the whole. Um, the whole thing i think it's 
really well done. I think Ben's got it figured at this point. There are little bits and pieces here and there. Um, I know Greg's said in the past, you know, I think listening to his show, that it, how he gets the narrative across, um, I think is the th- tricky thing with his his events. I think because the volume of people and sort of time constraints that he has. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew, I, you know, we knew who won rounds. We knew where we we're going, but I didn't really know what the story was, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And that's it's it's only a small thing, but that yeah. that's the thing. But yeah, the, the event itself, the whole thing. Um, you know, I think Greg did a really good job. Brilliant. Okay. Well, uh, thanks for thanks for coming onto the show, Chris. Well, why am I saying thanks for coming right, on the show? This is, yeah. this is your show. Um, yeah, it's all right. It's it's nice to be here. Thank you for the invite. I'll uh, I'll, uh, I'll I hope to come back one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe one day. Anyway, um, yeah. Maybe so one cool. day. Um, we will um yeah we'll uh yeah thanks for tuning in guys and uh yeah when yeah. blood and glory tickets go up for sale next year seriously get a ticket it's great oh absolutely yeah it's great fun so there's lots of cool stuff and now you know you've got gw really getting involved in it as well yeah there was the, they had the stand there was they were sort of doing um sort of t-shirts and things there slightly cheaper weren't they so yeah i managed to get three t-shirts um a hoodie and an art print and you guys picked up the warhammer game didn't you the the card game yes yes we picked up well i picked up another deck and grain picked up yeah which was that was good that was nice because yeah i just i think it's just a really good event they've really got it sorted yep definitely definitely okay fantastic all right yep well we'll see you later then all right bye guys cool take care bye-bye